listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Northside, we are in week two of our year of Bible engagement. We've just been challenging you this year that we want you to get into the Bible and we want the Bible to get in you in 2022. That really is our goal this year. Uh, we are challenging you to do several things. Uh, we're challenging you to read scripture every day. We're challenging you to pray a psalm every day. We're challenging you to watch some of these in, inspiring animated videos a couple times a week. And then we're encouraging you to listen and to share what you're experiencing. And, and that's what we're doing in this year. And why are we doing this? We're, we're doing this because we want you to engage with the Bible. Some people may say this is biblical literacy. We've not called it that, though we would love for you to be more biblically literate, but we want you to engage with the word of God in a powerful way so that it can transform and change your life. That's what it's all about. And and one of the things that I want to do really quick is just to address with us today, since we're two weeks into this, is, is what about those of you who might be struggling right now? You're struggling to read. Maybe it's because you struggle with comprehension. Maybe for you, it's, it's that you've got sight limitations. Maybe for you, it's dyslexia. Maybe for you, it's just, man, you just struggle to read and, and you're kind of finding it a hard time. Well, we want to give some tips and resources for you. This week, uh, Mary Struble came in and uh, Mary is, is a fellow Northsider here. She's a reading coach, a dyslexia specialist. And she reached out to me because she knows how valuable this is, but she also knows how hard it can be for some people. And she said, hey, I, I got some tools I think could help. So we recorded her this week. Uh, she, we have a video of Mary on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. We sent it in an email to you. If you didn't get it, make sure with our church office, we got your email and also make sure you've not, never unsubscribed and you'll get that video. And Mary just did a great job talking about tips and resources that can help you engage with the Bible. And one of the things I appreciated is Mary said this. She said, listening and comprehending is equal to, not less than, reading and comprehending. And so if, if reading is a struggle for you, she gave some great tips for that. She gave a, an app that, that you might want to get your hands on called Bible Is App, where you can listen to the scripture being read in a dramatic way. So she introduces the Bible Is App to you. You can even follow along as it's being read to you. So if, if reading is a challenge, you can follow along as you're listening, which is a great tip. She also recommended uh, if, if reading is hard in one setting, chunking it, chunking it. She said, take a chunk at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner and, and just kind of break it up through your day so, so you can uh, get through the word and the word can get into you. And she gives some other tips that are really worth your time that, that I want you to go and watch that video if you're wrestling with it. I also want to mention another app that you could get your hands on. And it's this one right here. It's called Dwell. It's called Dwell. I got put onto this by Alan Tiger. He's our college life minister. And he said, uh, one of the things that we're challenging you to do is to pray a psalm every day in our reading plan. And he said at night, what he does is put, he puts in his headphones and he listens because Dwell will read the scripture to you. You can select your voice and the translation. You can also select what kind of music you want to hear. Lord, so it sounds like this. Who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Just picture yourself before going to bed. Who does what is righteous? Who speaks the truth? I'm going to fast forward. Whose tongue utters no slander? Who does? 
I think I'm going to fast forward. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy Well, it's not letting me. But anyway, it did last time. But what's really nice about it is you can also put in musical interludes, select your music. It can be, I've chosen piano and cello, uh, which is really cool. So there's piano and cello. You can do guitar. And then you can set it with a musical interlude and then for it to repeat. And so during the music interlude, you can just pray, pray the psalm. And then about the time you're thinking, now what did it say? I ran out of that. All of a sudden it starts reading again and you're like, oh. And it's a great way just to pray the psalm and let the psalm get into you. And so one of the things we want to do as a church is just give you tools and give you resources. This one is $39 a year. So about three bucks a month will give you that tool. Bible is, is free. Obviously you guys know version is free. So there's lots of tools. But we want to help you succeed engaging with the Bible. And the reason we want you to succeed in this is because the Bible is this sacred writing. It's a gift to us by our creator so that we can know him in a personal way. Henry Blackaby, he says, you know, God speaks in a variety of ways to us. He speaks to us by his Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through his church. But without question, the most clear and predominant way that God is and has spoken to us is through his word. It's through his words that he's given to us so that we can discern his voice. But unfortunately, we often overlook it. It's undervalued. Oftentimes it's collecting dust on a shelf somewhere. We're not using it. We're not engaging it. It's not changing us. And so today what I want to talk about is I want to ask this question. Why should you let this book... Why should you let the Bible guide your life? Why should you let this guide your life? I I was, several weeks ago, came across an article where an Olympic swimmer, as she was talking about faith and Bible, said she she doesn't let the Bible guide her life. I'm actually going to talk about this this next week. But she's not going to let this book guide her life. Well, it was written to guide our life. And I want to talk about today, why should you let the Bible guide your life? Because there is some incredible benefits when you do. The first one is this. If the Bible guides your life, the Holy Spirit guides your life. It is essentially the same. When you let the Bible guide your life, then the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the primary author of this book. This is his great work. 2 Timothy 3.16. I want us to read this out loud together. 2 Timothy 3.16. Let's just read this verse together as it begins. Here we go. All scripture is God-breathed. We're just going to pause right there. All scripture... Is God breathed? This is perhaps the most important scripture when it comes to the inspiration of scripture in all of the Bible. All scripture, that means written word. All scripture, this written word, is God breathed. It it comes out out of the breath of God. Over 4,000 times, the Bible refers to itself as sacred scripture. The Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord said to me, 4,000 times the Bible says that it is divine inspiration. But this verse sums it up. All scripture is God-breathed, coming from the mouth of God, that God is its origin. All that is written in the Bible originates from God, is God spoken. And And when Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, it was his last book of the Bible that he wrote. 
which means up until that point, there may have been about seven New Testament uh, letters that had not yet been written. But all the rest of Scripture, Old Testament to Second Timothy, have been written. And he's saying all of Scripture, all of that, is God-breathed. It comes from God. It is inspired. And he's not using the word inspired like it's inspirational. Inspired as the Holy Spirit moved, guided, influenced in a supernatural way the writers of this book to guarantee that it was accurate, that it was trustworthy. The Bible is both human and divine. It is both. It's written by humans in their specific context, with their own style, their own personality. It it comes through. And yet, the Holy Spirit was supernaturally working in them to guarantee that what was written was accurate and trustworthy. And they knew. They knew as they wrote that they were being guided by the Holy Spirit, that they were being guided, that this was God's word. If if you were in a jail cell with Paul in 66 AD in that Roman cell, and he was dictating the letters that he was writing, and you asked him, you know, what are you writing? What is this? What are you talking about? He wouldn't have said, oh, it's just, it's just a lame letter. I'm trying to send to some people. We'll see if they read it or not. No, he didn't. That was not his perspective. That he tells us his perspective in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. That he knew it was the word of God because he tells the Thessalonian church. He says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, as it in fact is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. It's the word of God. He knew what it was. And he says, it is at Work. That word at work means a supernatural exercising was happening through them. It's at work in you who believe. A supernatural exercising in you. That's what God is doing. And we need that supernatural exercise. Some of us have not been supernaturally exercised for a while. And we need that kind of exercise. And and it might, you're going to feel it. You might feel it. You might, whoa, this is harder than I thought. You may even think it hurts a little for supernatural exercise. And it will. Just like physical exercise. On Friday, I, I worked out with my daughter, Maddie. She's sitting right over here. And my legs still feel like jello, and I'm hurting all over. That's why when I went from the sitting position to a standing position, I had to gather myself for a moment before I could come up here. So I'm feeling it. Why? Because I had not physically been exercising like I should either. But supernaturally, God wants to work in us through the exercising of his spirit in our lives. Now, we don't know all the mechanics We do not know the mechanics of how the Holy Spirit did this. I I can't explain in all the ways in which the Holy Spirit inspired and moved these men to write what they wrote. We believe it to be inspired because of, of, uh, also because of its production, what we have. And and, and we gave reasons for that the last couple weeks. But here's how Peter describes it, who wrote in the New Testament as well. 2 Peter 1, 19-21, he says, he says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. He says, above all, you must understand that. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word carried along is like wind in the sail. 
by the Holy Spirit, propelling that sailboat forward. They were moved. So that's how I picture God moving in them. That as they wrote, God's speed, he, he allowed them. Remember last week we talked about divine recall. He allowed them to recall, and then, and then he gave them his words. And as they're writing, it's like wind in the sail. It's like, here we go. Woo, you can feel it. And then I feel like at some moment, when it was complete, and they had what, what God wanted, I just think like a sailboat, the wind just stopped. And if you've been in a sailboat, when that happens, it's like you're like, you, I've been in a sailboat when the wind filled the sail and caught it. And it was like, and you feel the lift. I mean, you feel the lift just whoosh, pulling you forward. Like, yeah, it's awesome. And it's fun. I've, I've been in a catamaran that I was actually driving myself. And it was like, we were in the ocean. It was like, it was awesome. Wind in your sail. And then when the wind quits or it stops, it's just like, whoop. They're like, okay, I guess we're done. And then I'll, whoa, we're going this way. Okay, here we go. And, and I, I picture it. That, that may be an inadequate, complete picture, but it's a picture. Someone else described it as a carriage with horses and someone's on the reins. And, and they, just, they just touch the reins whenever it's getting off course a little bit. Course correction and keeps it going. All those pictures may be inadequate, but the Holy Spirit was moving with their unique characteristics, temperaments, research, personalities, writing styles. But the Holy Spirit was governing the process, protecting the final product so that everything they wrote was accurate, reliable, complete, which is why I'm saying that if you let the Bible guide your life, the Holy Spirit is guiding your life. What we have here is one of his greatest works to guide our life. So why do we let this book guide our life? Because then the Holy Spirit's guiding you. All scripture is God breathed. Let's come back to that text. 2 Timothy 3. Let's look at verse 15 where it says to Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, from infancy, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you, okay, here's some benefits. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures, God breathed. It's useful. What's it useful for? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy knew the scriptures. Maybe you grew up in the church, but do you know the scriptures? Because if you know them, there's going to be some benefits that come to you. And Paul lists them out here. He says, first of all, it will make you wise to salvation. That's why you ought to let it guide you. The Bible doesn't save you. Believing the Bible doesn't save you. But the Bible will lead you to Jesus, and he will. He will save you. The Bible reveals your need for salvation. The Bible is a mirror. And it shows how broken, filthy, condemned, guilty you are and how desperately you need a savior. And you've been reading through the book of Genesis and you're just like, wow, people need a savior. The Bible reveals God's plan of salvation and that it comes through Jesus Christ. And Paul says that the Bible, the scriptures make you wise to salvation, how to be saved and the way to be saved and leading you to Jesus ultimately. That seems like a pretty good reason to engage this book if it saves you. Here's, here's another reason Paul gives. He says, because the Bible, it will make you complete. He says, thoroughly equipped. That means mature, complete. Not perfect, but thoroughly equipped. How's, he do the, how's the word do this? By teaching you, rebuking you, correcting you, and training you. Here's what those words can mean. By teaching you, teaching, that's revealing what is right. The word of God reveals what is right. It teaches you what is right. The second thing is it's rebuking. That's con 
confronting what is right. Rebuking is confronting what is, excuse me, what is not right. So teaching reveals what's right. Rebuking, it confronts what's not right. And then we have correcting, which is restoring you to an upright state. In other words, how to get right. That's what correcting does, how to get right, restoring you to an upright state. And then we have training. That's instructing in righteousness. And that's how to stay right. And so God's word, when you engage it, Paul says it's going to reveal what, what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. That's what God's word is doing in your life right now. That seems like that would be pretty important. And what you need to know is when you let the word of God guide you in that way, it can save you, literally save you. Elliot tells the story that one night on Christmas Eve, he was alone in a hotel room. And the reason he was alone in a hotel room is because he was addicted to drugs and alcohol and he was estranged from his family and estranged from his wife. And he had been pushed out of the house and he had nothing going right in his life. Nothing was going well. And as he was in that hotel room on Christmas Eve, all alone and strange from in all of his relationships, because of not just choices he had made, but addictions, and everything, all the pain that he was bringing, causing, he decided he was going to take his life. And when he got up to do that, the TV had a Bible sitting on that TV. And he just took that Bible and he just threw it to the floor. It fell at his feet and fell open. And he just, in anger, it's no use to me. Something in that moment drew his attention down to the floor where the Bible lay open. And his eyes were directed to some words. And he read, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. It was the words that Jesus shared in John 14, right before he was to die with his disciples. And it it just froze him in his tracks. And he said in that moment as he began to read that and wrestle with that. He felt an incredible peace coming over him. In that moment, he encountered God in a powerful way. He said, God became alive to me. And through that word, it began to transform him. Today, Elliot is a pastor. His relationship with his wife has been restored. His relationship with his family has been healed. He was broken. Things were not right in his life. And it was the word of God that brought him into an upright state that confronted him and brought him into an upright state. He encountered the word of God because it was teaching, rebuking, correcting. It was training in righteousness, how to get right, how to stay right, which is what it's doing in his life right now. Someone once said this, the Bible finds us where we are. And with our permission, it takes us where we ought to go. It finds us where we are, and with our permission, it it takes us where we ought to go. How many times, even in the course of a single day, do we need to be set right? Turn back to the Lord and to his way. I mean, thank the Lord for the living, enduring word of God that spontaneously corrects us when we're veering off course. And, And with our permission and cooperation, the word of God will guide us into all that is right. That's why it's useful. That's why it's profitable. That means it makes you complete. If you let it correct you. 
I was talking to Corey about this verse because I was talking about this is one of the primary verses that we were going to go to in this sermon. And, and Corey said, he said, you know, I was having a conversation with a young man and Corey asked this young man, he said, I asked this question to him. Do you think you can be corrected? Can you be corrected? Because we live in a culture that would say, who are you to correct me? We live in a culture that would say, you can't correct somebody. Who are you to judge? We live in a culture that says, I don't need corrected. And we, we, we justify our actions and our opinions. We don't want to be corrected. And he was just asked, can you be corrected? Because we have this mindset. We, we've neglected being corrected. And we've neglected bringing correction. We live in a culture that who are you to bring it? And who are you to give it? And I would just say, today, I'm bringing correction. And maybe some people will be like, who are you to bring me correction? Well, it's not me. See, this is the thing. Correction comes from the word of God. It comes by the authority of God. I'm not correcting by my own authority. I'm correcting by God's authority. God says this. He's doing the correcting. And we've got to align ourselves with his word and allow it to correct us. And anytime you're corrected, there has to come this moment where you acknowledge that you're wrong. That you're not right. That you need a change. You need redemption. You need transformation. We, and that requires humility. Humbling ourselves to say, God, change me, correct me. If you're going to engage the Bible, there's going to have to be a great deal of humility in you or else you'll resist it. You know what that's called? Hardening of the heart. Psalm 25.9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way. Who does God guide? Who does God teach? The humble. Because only the humble are willing to hear, have ears to hear, and are willing to, to do what he's calling them to do or to stop doing what he's telling them to stop. It's impossible for the Bible to guide your life if you're not humble. If you are not willing to be corrected. So never underestimate the importance of letting Scripture tell you how it is, not the other way around. You know, I've told people through the years many times when it comes to, you know, just teaching and preaching and, and what is our authority in this church? It's this book. The Bible's our authority, which means when we teach and when we preach and we preach what God says, it is going to feel uncomfortable for all of us. Because there are areas in our life in which we are not aligned with who God is. And when we teach and preach from the word of God, it's going to make us uncomfortable. We're going to feel that. And the intention is, is not to shame people. It's to, it's to awaken them with conviction so they can turn back to the Lord and repent. If you let the Bible guide you, you will become complete. It says thoroughly equipped. It doesn't mean perfect. It means useful, fitted for use. The word of God is useful. And if you submit to it, you'll be useful. That's what he's saying. Now, let me look at one more scripture, kind of one I'm going to land on. So we, 2 Timothy 3. Now let's go to Psalm 19. One from the New Testament. Now we're going to the Old Testament to answer this question. Why should we let the Bible guide our life? Why should we do this? As we read this psalm, you'll notice the first phrase tells us who God is because it's telling us 
what his law is like, his scripture, his word. And the second line is telling us the benefit we receive when we engage it. So hear that as we read through it. So here we go. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Sure footing, firm. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there's great reward. At least seven benefits of following God's laws, decrees, statutes, precepts, commands. All those words are referring to specific instructions in God's law, in the Scriptures. Even the word fear of the Lord is referencing the law of God, which produced a reverent fear in people that in Deuteronomy says was to keep them from sinning. All of this is, is the benefits of what happens when you follow and adhere to God's law and let it resonate in your life. So in the text, God, David shows us who God is, but then he also shows us the benefits of having the word of God guide your life. And so let's just look at those really quick. Let's go through those, those seven things. First of all, the Bible is spiritually refreshing. It's spiritually renewing. It it just renews you spiritually. I'll give you an Old Testament example and a new. The Old Testament example is when the Jewish people during the time of Nehemiah had been in exile and they're coming back from the land and they're far from God. They're far from the faith of their fathers and they ask Ezra to read the law. He spends all morning reading the word of the Lord to the people who are coming back from their exile. And when he does that, the people are so convicted, they're weeping, they're crying out. But then the next thing we see is it's followed by joy and restoration. It's like they they come under conviction and guilt, but by repenting suddenly, they're filled with joy and restoration. There was a spiritual renewal, revival, transformation that took place in their life as they engaged the word of God and listened to it. And they were listening to it. And then we come to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 when he's telling husbands to love your wives. And then he says, here's what he says. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing with water through the word. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We are the community. We are the bride. We are the church. And Jesus is washing us. That means cleansing our minds. He's washing us into purity with his what? Word. If we're not engaging it, then we're not allowing it to wash us and cleanse us and heal us. You know, I remember when both of my boys were much younger, they had their favorite pair of socks. And when it comes to clothing, that's the worst item to have as your favorite because that means it's the least washed. They just wanted to wear them all the time, had their favorite pair of socks. That was a huge mistake. And there were times you're just like, what is that smell? And you remember, oh, favorite pair of socks. So it goes in the wash. And when it's in the wash, 
that soap and water begins to clear out all those impurities and the fibers of that fabric. It begins to cleanse the filth and the stench and everything else that was going on until it comes out like it was created to be. They grew out of that, fortunately, but it was the washing. And the same is true when, when, when we come to God, our minds and hearts are like that. They're cluttered with impurity and false beliefs and bad attitudes and deadly feelings and misguided plans. And we stink, but God washes with his word. This is how we are cleansed, washed. John Ortberg, in his book, Life You've Always Wanted, I've had this book on my shelf for so many years, he said, imagine having your mind cleansed of all the debris that blocks your best intentions. Imagine when you saw another person, your first thought was to bless him or her. Imagine when feelings of anxiety or concern flood your emotions, you turn to God for strength. Imagine as a married man that whenever you looked at any woman other than your wife, you would see her as if she were your sister, daughter, mother. Imagine genuinely wishing your enemies well, That is what it would be to have the mind washed by the word cleanse. It's spiritually refreshing, reinvigorating. Psalm 19 says, if we let this book guide us, it will give us practical wisdom. That means wisdom for skilled living. Herbert Hoover said, wisdom is knowing what to do next. The Bible gives direction. It gives guidance. It's, it's, It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And so if you're single... The Bible offers a great deal of wisdom about using your singleness for the Lord. If you're in a relationship, the Bible addresses the kind of person you should marry. If you're self-employed, the Bible tells the kind of person you should do business with and the kind of person you should avoid. It instructs parents in ways in which to raise our children and it shows friends how to treat friends and it's full of wisdom on subjects such as parenting and finances and marriage. It covers so many areas of life that you will be wise if you let this book guide you. Verse 8 says, the Bible brings joy to the heart. Could you use some joy? Could you use some joy? The Bible brings joy to the heart. Engage it. And and he says, the Bible in verse 8 opens your eyes. It enlightens your eyes. So you can see clearly who God is. And you can see clearly who you are. So you can see clearly how you should respond. God, you see God accurately, yourself accurately, so you can respond accurately. He says in verse 9 that the Bible warns you so you know where to place your confidence. It warns you. Verse 9 says the ordinances of the Lord are sure, altogether righteous, because life is full of uncertainties. The rug gets yanked out from under you. You you, you fall and you're upside down. It happens to people every day, but the word of God is a solid place to land. It is right. It's secure. You can count on it. You can trust on it when you can't in so many other things, even in so many other people. But the word of God will do that for you. And not only that, but verse 11 says, it will warn you. It will warn you when you're you're going in the wrong direction, the wrong path. It's, It's a mirror in your life. It shows you things that otherwise you will have missed or ignored or justified in your life. But it sounds a warning signal. It gives a warning light in these moments that will help guard your life from heading in the wrong direction towards destruction. It illuminates your steps so you can see clearly what's in front of you. 
It helps direct your steps. You know, our, our dog, our dog Samson, he turned 12 this last week. And there's two things that are going. His sight and his hearing are both going. It's become much more prevalent to us recently. In other words, he's just a, he's just a, a picture of me. <laughs> That's what's going on. Uh, hearing and sight. And, uh, but, you know, one of the ways we notice this is, you know, we, we come in the door now. And sometimes he doesn't stir. Before he was always like, rah, rah, you know, something's going on. He uh, doesn't always do that. doesn't know we're coming. And the other thing I noticed is when I began to take him out at night, take him out on the leash, go out the door, and I was the one that was gingerly going down the steps, you know, because I'm, I'm having a hard time with my eyes adjusting late at night, going outside. Sam was always the one, you know, we'd head out the door, and he's like, he's taking off the leash, you know, going out, and he's, he's on the run. And now it's like we go out the door, and I noticed this the first time. We started out the door, I couldn't really see, and all of a sudden I'm tripping over him. He's like, whoa, whoa. And now he's gingerly, you know, like, is there something there? I'm turning on the lights. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes down the steps. I'm like, you can't see. He can't see anymore. And so we have to illuminate for him so he can, he can see his way, find his way where he's going. The Word of God illuminates. It lightens the way so we can see where to go. It warns us of things where we should not step. It teaches you how to work through conflict, how to recalibrate when you've lost your way, how to guard against temptation, how to walk in the Spirit. It's a moral compass to guide you into right and wrong. The Bible, then, if you do these things, if you let it guide you, it says the Bible will give you a great reward. Verse 11, in keeping them, there's great reward. This is why the Bible is described as honey in the ancient Middle Eastern which is the sweetest of all things. It's honey to the taste. It's good. It's sweet. That's Psalm 19. And if you come to this moment right here, right now, you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm still not convinced that the Bible should guide my life. I'm still not convinced. Well, there's hundreds of other reasons why you should let the Bible guide your life. And I'm just going to go through every one of those right now. Or oh, you think I'm joking. I am. I'm joking. I'm going to go through. I don't know how many are on here, but I'm going to go through a list. And if at this point in time you have not allowed or been convinced, maybe one of these will. Psalm 119.11, it keeps you from sin. 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5, it informs you of sin. It gives you direction, Psalm 119. It blesses your life, Psalm 1. It saves your soul, James 1. It grows you in wisdom, Psalm 111.10, it develops your faith, Romans 10.17. It fills you with hope, hope, we need that, Romans 15.4. It brings you joy, Psalm 119.47. It prospers your life, Joshua 1.8. It testifies to Jesus, it points you to Jesus, John 5.39. It regenerates us, 1 Peter 1.23. It nourishes us as our bread of life, Matthew 4.4. It aligns our prayers with God's will so that what you ask, you receive. In John 15, 7. It judges our thoughts and our attitudes. We need the word of God to do that. In Hebrews 4, 12. It gives you truth to set you free in John 8. It's wisdom beyond your years, Psalm 119. It facilitates you blessing and influencing others. As you dwell richly in the word and speak psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It, it does that. It, it facilitates that blessing. It prospers you. Psalm 1, Joshua 1. And Ephesians 6 would say... The Word of God is an essential 
piece of your arsenal in fighting spiritual warfare against the evil one. The word of God is critical for the fight. I could go on and on and on. And and I'm thinking, wouldn't just five reasons be good enough? I mean, isn't five just good enough to let this book guide your life? And yet the Bible provides hundreds and hundreds of these things so that you're convinced that it should guide your life. Because one of the most important things the Holy Spirit ever did was provide you with the Scriptures as he moved and carried these men along to give you God's word, so this sacred book, so that you would know him personally and encounter him and let him change you. Which means the ball's in your court. In 2 Timothy 3.14, Paul told this young man, Timothy, he said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. That's the verse that precedes the one we read earlier from 2 Timothy 3. Continue in what you've learned and you've become convinced of. If you're convinced that this book should guide your life, you will be thoroughly equipped. You'll be made complete. You'll become mature and you will become useful for the kingdom. You'll become who God has created to be. If you're humble enough, honest enough and open enough to allow the word of God to transform your life. And here's how you'll know if you're convinced. Because if you're convinced, then you will both engage it and you will submit to it. You will engage it and submit to it. You encounter God's word. You will feast on it. You will find it to be honey, nourishment for your soul. And and so you will engage it and then you will submit to it humbly to whatever God calls you to do. This book will change your life. Which leads me really to, I think, a better question. Maybe instead of asking the question, why should you let this Bible guide your life? I guess that's a good question to begin the sermon, but maybe a better one at the end of the sermon is, why wouldn't you let this book guide your life? Why would you not? I don't know how Satan has deceived us. I don't know how he's given false ideas into our head about this, but it's the word of God that's going to cleanse and wash and purify and clean that up. And so God, right now we pray to you because we need you. We need a word from you. So many voices, so many words, so many influences, so many false teaching. We need a word from you. God, would you would you convince us in our spirit that we need to be guided by this book. Which means we're guided by you. By your spirit. Jesus, we need you. We need to be healed. We need to be forgiven. We need to be washed and cleansed. Would you wash over us with your word today? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet today, we want to invite you to respond right now to whatever God is laying on your heart. If today you need to begin a relationship with Jesus or you you want to pray with someone today or you, just, you want to become a member of this church or you, you want to talk about something that you're wrestling with, you can meet me right now, right over here at Decision Point, out these doors while we worship. I'd love to talk and pray with you right there. If you're watching online, just go to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision and 
that can begin that conversation with us. And then as you leave today, use this as an opportunity to give to the Lord, put Him first in your life, give to kingdom causes, which includes getting this book translated into the languages and tongues of other people. And you can do that today by giving at the boxes in the back of the room or through what you see on the screen, to our website, to that phone number. And we would love to help facilitate your gift to kingdom advancement. Let this be a moment right now that we remember that everything in this book points to Jesus. He saves us. He redeems us. Let that word speak into your life. I'll meet you right over here. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.